2 Timothy chapter 1. And I want to talk to you today about a faithful mother. A faithful mother. Let's, let's just get this, this all out there. I know this. Moms are not perfect. Mom will be the first one to tell you that. In fact, moms are riddled with something that fathers don't really probably have enough of. Moms, it's almost like it was overcompensated in mothers. It's a thing called guilt. Uh, If you have raised children, mothers, you know exactly what I'm talking about. There is a terrific and horrendous amount of guilt. Of course, the older kids get, they begin to learn that. And they begin to get mom right at that point of guilt. Every now and then, I'll even have to, you know, in my own household, I'll have to say, no, 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 you can't do that. You can't. Can't let the guilt strings be pulled in a particular situation, but it happens. And every now and then I, I kind of, you know, have to turn it around and say, okay, maybe I ought to be feeling a little more guilty than I do. But that's the difference between fathers and mothers in many cases. But the Bible talks about a faithful mother. It doesn't talk about perfect mothers. In fact, even... Jesus did not have a perfect mother. We know as we look in Scripture, there are many examples of women of God that we could talk about. And most certainly you might be able, if you have had a godly mother, you might be able to point to her and to say, my mother has directed me, has led me and trained me in the way that I should go. There might be a history of some kind there. There might be things that, you know, you you wish you could go back and undo and fix and correct and all of that, but we can't. We can't do that with the past. We have to deal with right now and what is in the future. And the Bible lets us know what a faithful mother is like. Uh, Before we get into this, and I'm going to read this text and then just uh, get into this in a moment, listen to what the Bible says starting at verse 1 of 2 Timothy chapter 1. It says, Paul, an apostle of of Christ Jesus, by the will of God, according to the promise of life that is in Christ Jesus. To Timothy, my dear son, grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and Christ Jesus, our Lord. I thank God whom I serve, as my forefathers did, with a clear conscience. As night and day, I constantly remember you in my prayers. Recalling your tears, I long to see you so that I may be filled with joy. I have been reminded of your sincere faith, which first lived in your grandmother Lois and in your mother Eunice. And I am persuaded now lives in you also. You see in this one verse of scripture, verse 5 a clear connection to the generations past and how Timothy now has the kind of faith and faithfulness that is needed to serve the Lord. Mothers, there ain't nobody like you. You are special in so many ways. 
And yet I believe with all my heart the Bible lets us know that there is a faithfulness and a faith that should come out of our lives and exude into every part of our being. And we're going to see what that is in just a moment. But on the lighter side of things, here is Mom's Dictionary. Mom's Dictionary. I'm going to say a word, and then I'm going to give you Mom's meaning. Dumbwaiter. We know houses were built with this thing called a dumbwaiter. You know what that is? It's almost like an elevator-type system for food and things to be sent up the floors. But for mom, a dumbwaiter is one who asks if the kids would care to order dessert. That's a dumbwaiter. Family planning. It is the art of spacing your children the proper distance apart to keep you on the edge of financial disaster. Feedback, the inevitable result when your baby doesn't appreciate the strained carrots. Full name, what you call your child when you're mad at them. Grandparents, the people who think your children are wonderful even though they're sure you're not raising them right. Hearsay, what toddlers do when anyone utters a bad word. Independent, how we want our children to be as long as they do everything we say. Ow. The first words spoken by children with older siblings. Puddle. A small body of water that draws other small bodies wearing dry shoes into it. A show-off is a child who is more talented than yours. <laughs> Sterilize. What you do to your first baby's pacifier by boiling it and what you do to your last baby's pacifier by blowing on it. <laughs> Top bunk. Where you should never put a child who wears Superman pajamas. <laughs> that was a good one, wasn't it? <laughs> Two minute warning. <laughs> oh, good Lord. Brings back memories. When the baby's face turns red and she begins to make those familiar grunting noises. Verbal, able to whine in words. And who done it? None of the kids that live in your house. That's mom's dictionary for just a few of the common words that we use. Moms are ever so important. G. Campbell Morgan, who I'm a fan of, he is... Um, he was a profound British preacher. I've got a lot of his books my father had uh, and passed along to me. Uh, he was a great preacher. He was a, a pastor, a writer. He, is, he had blessed uh, and influenced millions through his preaching, his teaching, and his, his writings. Uh, he had five sons who all became pastors. 
And one day when his young son Howard finished preaching, there was a reporter there and asked him, since you know you have five pastors in your family, he said, who is the greatest preacher? Certainly expecting the son to give honor to his father, G. Campbell Morgan, Howard surprised the reporter by saying, my mother is the greatest preacher. Often people don't realize that a mother's love and concern and teaching are often far more influential on people than anything else that will ever come into their lives. They cannot, cannot underestimate the power of a mother's love. Mothers are known for giving so, so much to their families, their, their time, their energy, uh, their efforts, their money, their all kinds of things. I was remembering some of the very, very mundane things that I would, you know, pass off onto my mother as a teenager growing up. It was, you know, mom, is my baseball uniform clean? You know, some of these, these crazy things that teenagers growing up, you're involved in sports, and, and mom's the one to do it. Mom, what are we having for dinner? Mom, you know, if I, have you cleaned your room? No, you do it, mom. <laughs> I said that on more than one occasion as well. But the Bible talks about this faith. There is an important word here that we see in 1 Timothy 1, or 2 Timothy 1, verse 5. And it is this, sincere faith. That word sincere means to be without pretension, with no show of pride whatsoever. And let's face it, mom's got enough in life to help keep her humble. So when faith comes climbing through into your life, out of your mom's life, you need to know that is the kind of faith that I need to have for the rest of my life. But a faithful mother does three things that help her children. The first one is this. A faithful mother lives her faith. A faithful mother lives her faith. Notice the connection that Paul made from grandmother Lois to mother Eunice to Timothy. There is no way that Timothy could have gotten the kind of faith that he got as a result of mom saying, do as I say, not as I do. It is not possible for any parent to hope and to think that somehow your child is going to get what they need by that kind of a lifestyle. It doesn't happen that way. In fact, it has to be shown, it has to be lived, it has to be proven through the daily, daily struggles of life. And it's important that we understand that we are talking about faith. Faith never shows itself in the easy things of life. It always shows itself through the struggles and through the pains and through the difficulties that you might go through. It is through those pains and difficulties that I often saw my own parents rise up with a faith in their hearts. Times where I knew my father as a pastor was going through it. And if there is anything worse than a pastor having to go through troubles and struggles in his church, it is for his wife, the mother, to stand there and to have to watch it all. 
And yet through all of that, there was faith that arose in their hearts. Faith that has been passed down to their four children. And brothers and sisters, I can honestly say, we are what we are by the grace of God and mama's faith. It is got to be lived. It was lived in front of Timothy. From grandmother to mother and now to son. Paul says you have what you have in you because there was something that was passed on to you. It wasn't just a teaching. It wasn't just words coming out of the mouth, but it was a life that was being lived. A faithful mother lives her faith. A faithful mother will live it in front of her children because she knows that's the only way for these kids to have anything that is secure in life. And I'm here to let you know, brothers and sisters, if you've seen your mama every now and then break down and begin to weep and begin to cry and begin to think that somehow she's going to crumble underneath the weight, you watch for a minute because sooner or later she's going to rise up and that faith is going to come to the surface and that is the thing that will keep you. Not what she says, it's what she does. She lived it. Timothy's mother was a, was a wonderful example simply because, and we don't know a great deal about her. We do know possibly, at least most commentators sort of make a little bit of a leap based on Acts chapter 16 and verse 1 where Timothy's father is mentioned. And all that's mentioned about him, it seems as though she was a Jewish uh, believer married to a Greek. And it seems, and that's all it says, about him, that he was a Greek. They make sort of a leap and assume, and I could probably agree with them maybe, that, that Timothy's father was an unbeliever. And yet, there was a faith that came out of this woman's life that changed this man forever. It changed him and caused him to be what God wanted him to be. Why? Because even in a home where dad didn't necessarily agree, the mother took the stand and said, I will trust in the Lord. I'm going to be like Joshua. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. There have been many, many, many mothers that I've seen growing up and throughout life who have pulled their children along behind while dad sits at home vegging in front of the TV, doing his own thing, being his own man. Somehow just this is what I got to be. I got to be me and this is what I want to do. And mom is dragging those kids to church saying, come on, no, no, no. You're not staying home. You're not going to be like that. You're going to come to the house of God and you're going to find faith in him. And it has been that faith that has caused a generation. I think even in this church, we have seen men and women. We have seen women who have been single parents. Dad's nowhere around, not in the house, anywhere. Bring their children along, say, no, no, no. And I'm here to say, that some of those mothers have seen their children even go into the ministry as a result of it. Why? Because mom lived it. When God got a hold of her heart, she lived it. A faithful mother lives it. Living her faith is trusting and obeying God. This is the most important quality in your life. It's the most important. Living and obeying, trusting and obeying God in all of your life. That is what all of the kids need to see. 
And you're like, you say, well, but my kids are grown. They're out of the house. doesn't matter. They're still your children. Look, mom's influence is going to happen even as the Bible says about Abel, he being dead yet speaks. My father still influences my life even though he has been dead for four years. There is still that influence that I feel as a result of what he has put into my life. Mom's influence continues to live on. My mother's influence continues to live on in my life, what it is that she has done for me, how it is that she has helped me and encouraged me, not just you know, to be a good boy in life, to somehow turn out to be a productive citizen in our society, but to be a man of God, to say, to stand and to say, I'm going to serve the Lord regardless of what the world does. That was the direction I got. I'm here to let you know it wasn't just a lesson that was taught. It was a lesson that was lived. Living your faith before your children means that God is more precious to you than any other thing on this earth. Let them see that he is most precious. We need to let them see that he is the one. He is the one and only. I realize there are so many distractions in our modern society and all kinds of things can get our attention and yet we somehow need to come to the place where we recognize, Lord, I want you to be most precious and most dear in my life. I want you to be that one. When counsel is given... It includes the word of God. You don't need to turn there, but listen to Isaiah 54 and verse 13. All your sons will be taught by the Lord. Great will be your children's peace. It is said Susanna Wesley bore 17 children. She made time each week to take each of the boys and girls in her household aside to counsel them, each one. Speaking to them about the love of Jesus Christ. Is it any wonder that one boy in that family became the greatest preacher of his generation, incidentally by the name of John Wesley? And her other, another son became one of the greatest hymn writers ever known in the name of Charles Wesley. Simply because this mother took time in devotion to Christ. Listen to some of the words. And it's any wonder that Charles Wesley would be the one to author this and pen these words. Oh, for a thousand tongues to sing. My great Redeemer's praise. The glories of my God and King. The triumphs of His grace. Jesus, the name that charms our fears. That bids our sorrows cease. Tis music in the sinner's ear. Tis life and health and peace. Why? Because mama taught him that. Why? Because Susanna Wesley took time with her children and began to teach them the ways of the Lord and directed them in the way that they should go. You teach your children to pray. It is said from very early on, one of her rules was in the household, as soon as they can speak, teach them to pray. Teach them to pray. Teach them to call upon the Lord. Bring them to prayer meeting. You say, well, it's going to be noisy. Yeah, it'll be noisy. Then we'll, be, we'll pray louder. And somewhere along the way, somewhere along the way, they'll begin to call upon the Lord rather than raise a stink. They'll begin to cry out to the Lord as well and begin to reach out to heaven and see God do great things. I believe with all my heart, not only does a faithful mother live her faith, but a faithful mother prays for her children. 
I know I've shared this example from time to time, and I have shared this, I think, on a past Mother's Day sermon, but I think it's fitting that I just share it again. That when I was growing up and I was in my teenage years, I was a rebellious kid. I hated my parents. In, in a manner of speaking, I didn't really hate them, but, you know, I, I threw out that ugly word every now and then. I said things to my mother, and see, I had a little dilemma. My, my oldest brother is 11 years older than me. My, old, my sister, my one sister, is 10 years older than me. So there's a pretty big gap. In fact, the, the next closest brother is six years older. They say that any child born within the distance of five years or more is like an only child. So I was like an only child in the house. But I wasn't an only child because two years after my oldest brother took a youth pastorate in Pennsylvania, he decided that he would come back home and be my father's associate pastor slash my youth pastor. And here I am living in my house. I'm a teenager. I want to do what I want to do. And my oldest brother is now my youth pastor, but also living in my house. <laughs> I remember one day, roughly around the age of 13-ish, 14-ish, I got the words, shut up, out of my mouth to my mother. Ooh, you know it. You would have thought I was getting it from my mother. My oldest brother grabbed me, he slammed me against the wall, and he said, don't you ever talk to your mother like that again. And I thought, man, I got it from my mother, I got it from my father, and now I got it from this guy. But there were times as I got older, and I was still rebellious, that I would go out with my friends and I would come home. And maybe the light was off, maybe it was on in the house, but my mother was on her knees on the couch. We lived in a parsonage. And I came in from being out with my friends and just doing my own thing and not, not being godly in any way. And I would see her on her knees. And I remember how it made me feel. You see, when you're in sin, seeing somebody pray is bad enough. But knowing that they're praying for you, you just get so mad on the inside. You just, you know, man, they're, they're sicking God on you. <laughs> and my mother was calling upon God. And I knew why. I knew she was crying out to God to get a hold of her youngest beast. I mean, her youngest son. And cause him to come into the kingdom once and for all. I mean, for Pete's sake, I had gone to youth camp, Bible camp. From the time I was six years old all the way into my teenage years. And every summer I got saved. <laughs> and every fall I backslid. I come, on, I come home on fire for the Lord until I saw my first friend. And then the foul mouth started up. But my mother prayed. She prayed. And she prayed. And you know what? To this day I know this. My mother still prays for me. And it doesn't bother me anymore. 
Why? Because her prayers worked. The hound of heaven, as he is often called, the Holy Spirit, got a hold of me and drew me to the cross where I realized I need Jesus. You know, I can't ride the coattails of mom and dad. And you know what? The world's a mess. Why am I going to somehow go and hang out with people who are so messed up in their minds and somehow try to make it in the end, hoping that somehow God will think I'm good enough? It's not about being good enough. It is by faith that we are saved through grace and I'm here to let you know that it is as a result of a mother praying and calling upon God saying God you got to get a hold of Brent you got to get him you got to change him you've got to save him brothers and sisters it was a faithful mother who went out like Job listen to what Job did but this is what it seemed like my mother and my father did Job chapter 1 and verse 5 says when a period of feasting had run its course Job would send and have them purified that was his children early in the morning he would sacrifice a burnt offering for each of them thinking perhaps my children have sinned and cursed God in their hearts this was Job's regular custom calling upon God as a result of that and I'm here to let you know brothers and sisters that mama calls upon God for you he calls they call she calls upon God so that you will be all that God wants you to be not that you'll be a good person not that somehow you'll be a good person in society and and be productive and all of those things which are important but that you will be all that God has called you to be there are individuals who say they owe so much to their mother and I there is an individual who was born here in the Midwest by the name of Lauren Sani who was with the the great group the navigators once wrote about his mother and said, my mother gave birth to me in a frontier house on a Midwestern prairie. On the kitchen counter, she placed a list of ingredients necessary for my formula. (laughs) At the top of the list was prayer. And that remained at the top of her list throughout her life. He said, I have her to thank for firmly establishing my spiritual roots. Prayer is the only way to do it, folks. It's the only way it's going to happen. I know that we've got mothers of all ages and and all stages of motherhood in this room today. But it will always be the same from the very beginning to the very end. Prayer. Listen, just because your children enter into adulthood and somehow it's seemingly they're doing well and they're on their way in life does not necessarily exempt you from praying anymore. It doesn't say, well, you can take a break now. No, you can't take a break because the devil is real, the enemy is real, and he is out to kill, to steal, and to destroy. That's his only purpose in life. That's his only purpose in existence is he is going to be trying to get them and deceive them. So you've got to keep praying. You've got to keep calling upon the name of the Lord. You see, she prays for her children in front of them and behind their backs. You got to do this. Listen, if this has not been your your mode of operation, I'm here to encourage you. You let them see you pray. You let them see you call upon the Lord for them. You, you get in front of them and you, you lay your hands on them and you cry out to the Lord. You say, well, but I, I can't do that. I, I don't know if I can do that. I'm, 
I'm not where I should be with God. It's time to get where you should be with God so that you can call upon God. Listen, there's so much out there. And how are you going to do it, Mom? How are you going to do it when she's gone or when they're gone or when they're, they're away from you? Listen, the one thing that plagues a mother's heart is, is my child safe when they're not in the same room? Imagine what it is when they're in school. Imagine what it is when they're in high school, when they're in college, when they're out on their own. Imagine how that feeling comes. Listen, the only way to take care of it is to call upon God. Make it your point. Make it your your goal in life to say, I'm going to call upon the Lord in front of them and I'm going to call upon the Lord behind them. Cry out to the Lord. God is our only hope. He is the only one who can take care of them when they're out of your sight. And you know that it's even a struggle when they're in your sight. Those with smaller ones, it can get tough from time to time, even when they're standing right there in front of you. It can get difficult. But no matter how difficult it gets, pray. Call upon the Lord. Last and definitely not least is a faithful mother gives her children to God. A faithful mother gives her children to God. It's obvious from where Timothy ended up that Timothy's mother and grandmother were not only an influence in his life, but did not fight the calling of God upon his life. Timothy traveled with Paul. He he was one of Paul's followers, one of Paul's friends. He was one of Paul's colleagues in ministry. I remember the day where I told my parents, you know, I believe the Lord is calling me into the ministry. And they were, they were overjoyed. My father was a pastor. He never once said, you know, you need to be a preacher there, boy. Never once, you know, poked his finger in my nose and said, you better be what I am. Never did that. They never tried to, tried to push. All they wanted me to do was serve the Lord. And whatever it was that God revealed in my heart, I believed he wanted me to do. They wanted me to follow that. And I remember, strangely enough, it was at the age of 13. And it seemed like the enemy began to battle me and battle me at that point. It was one of those, you know, summer Bible camp occasions. Oh, it was real. Don't get me wrong. It was absolutely real. Trust me. But the enemy was not far behind trying to distract, trying to pull me away from what God called me to do. But I remember the day where it was that I stood in my living room and my father was there giving me a little bit of advice. My mother was doing some other things, helping to prepare to get me on down the road into Rhode Island to go to Bible college. Never once did my mother look at me and say, please don't go. Don't go. Listen, just, you know, you can stay around here and maybe go to school here, get a job here, whatever. Just, just stay close to mom, you know. You're my last. You're my final. You're the baby of the family. Come on, don't, you know, don't leave us now. When it came to the calling of God, there was no fight. And there seemed to be no fight upon their lives as well. Listen, if God calls your child in one way or another to do something great for him, don't try to steer them away from it because the greatest thing they will ever do is give their lives in service to the Lord. She was a faithful mother who gave her son to the Lord. Their testimony was influential 
on his testimony. The faith in his heart came as a result of the faith in mom's heart. Another Old Testament mother by the name of Hannah. We've talked about Hannah before, but I'd like you to turn over there. Just I want you to see these verses of Scripture because Hannah stands as one of the great examples. And in fact, we follow her lead when it comes to the dedication of babies uh, to the Lord. We don't baptize babies. We don't believe there's any, any value in that. There's nothing in Scripture that says that we should do that. Baptism is for those who come to know Christ and have made a decision to serve Christ. And they follow in that in obedience to the Lord. But we get from this woman such a great sense of, Lord, this child is not mine, it's yours. Listen to what the Bible says, 1 Samuel chapter 1, verses 26 through 28. And she said to him, as surely as you live, my Lord, I am the woman who stood here beside you praying to the Lord. Remember, she had been praying in the temple, praying, asking God, please, God, give me a child. She was barren, could, bore, could bear no children. Pray, Lord, give me a child. Give me a son. Give me a child. And God opened her womb and gave her Samuel. And she had promised, I am going to, to give this child back to you. And here now she fulfills her promise. She stands in the presence of the Lord and in the presence of the high priest, Eli. Verse 27, I prayed for this child. And the Lord has granted me what I asked of him. So now I give him to the Lord. For his whole life, he will be given over to the Lord, and he worshipped the Lord there. We know when it comes to Samuel, the rest is history, as they say. Because Samuel became one of the great, great prophets in all of Israel. He was the one who anointed Saul to be king. He was the one who then anointed David to be king when the Saul, when the kingdom was taken from Saul. He was the one who was there to proclaim the word of the Lord. He, he put his finger in the nose of Saul and said, it's better to obey than to sacrifice. It is better to listen than to offer up the fat of, of rams before the Lord. It's better to follow God. Listen, it, this came into his life as a result of mom saying, here he is, Lord. He is yours. I know it's one of the most difficult things to do, but one of the things that we must learn from the Word of God is to say, Lord, these kids are not mine. They are yours. I want you to know he'll take really good care of them. If you trust him, he'll take really, really good care of them. God doesn't drop the ball with raising children. He doesn't drop the ball. Listen, he'll help you. He'll encourage you. But on a daily basis, there has to be that within you that says, Lord, these are not mine. They are yours. I give them to you. Now help me to raise them in the way that you, your word tells me I need to raise them. Help me now to be what you want me to be. A faithful mother gives her children to the Lord. Hannah is a great example of that. Giving your children to God means that you acknowledge that your children are a gift from God for the purpose of raising them and training them in the way that they should go so that when they're old, they won't depart from it. Giving your children to God means that they are God's to do with as He chooses. All of us, I think, from time to time have wondered, at certain points in your child's life, what will they be like? 
I remember when Jamie was born. I told her maybe about a week and a half ago. I, one night getting her ready for, for bed, I, I, uh, as I often do, I kind of kneeled down in front of them to, to help get them ready for bed. And, and she was just being silly, doing some things, whatever it was that she was doing. And I looked at her, and all of a sudden it flashed in my mind that, that almost at the moment of birth or sometime after that, I remember looking into this little baby's face and thinking, I wonder what she's going to be like when she's seven. And I said to her, I said, Jamie, I, I said, I remember saying that when you were a baby. I wonder what you're going to be like when you're seven. And I said, now I know. <laughs> you know, there are certain points you wonder as a parent, what are they going to be like? As a mother, you wonder what they're going to be like when they're this age or that age. And you wonder how it's going to be. And, and you wonder what it is that God is going to do in them and do with them and Yet the one thing that is so absolutely important for all of us to remember is to remember that God we, needs to be allowed to do as he chooses with our children. Listen to what the Bible says in Job chapter 1 verses 20 and 22. At this time Job got up and tore his robe and shaved his head. Then he fell to the ground in worship and this is the height of grief for Job. He has lost everything and he has lost his ten children in one fell swoop. Verse 21 said, Naked I came in, came from my mother's womb and naked I will depart. The Lord gave and the Lord has taken away. May the name of the Lord be praised. In all this, in all this, through the hardships, through the grief, through the trouble, through the trials, the Bible says in all this, Job did not sin by charging God with wrongdoing. Wherever God takes you and takes your child, through whatever path, never point your finger at God and say, you did this. But instead say, Lord, you are sovereign in everything. You rule and you reign over every part of our life. Listen, there is, there is nothing more difficult than for a family to lose a little one. Remember a couple of years ago, I believe it was, the gospel Christian uh, singer and songwriter uh, Stephen Curtis Chapman lost their five-year-old little girl as a result of a car accident in their driveway. Their older son didn't see that their little girl was behind the car, ran over her, he was backing out of the driveway and killed her. There is nothing, I think, more difficult for a parent than to bury their child. In so many ways, it shouldn't happen that way. We know that. And yet, you saw, and as, as I know the nation, most of the nation who followed this family saw their faith and saw them rise above it all and, and proclaim like Job, and, and do like Job, that, that the name of the Lord in everything is to be praised. We're not going to sin against God, but we're going to exalt the Lord and lift the Lord up. And listen, brothers and sisters, there are times of hardship, there are times of trouble. Nobody, we, we, can't, we would never wish anything like that on anybody, whether it's your closest friend or your worst enemy. That is not something that anyone should have to go through. And yet in all of that, the faith of a mother would rise above it all and say, God is still in control. In the midst of the grief, in the midst of the pain, God is still able. 
There, I want to close with this. There is a beautiful story related of a boat at sea carrying in it a father and his little daughter. As they were steering towards shore coming in, this boat was overtaken by a violent storm. It threatened to destroy them on the sea. The coast was dangerous. And so the mother lit a lamp and started up the worn stairway to the attic. From the other room, she heard the voice of her son call and say, It won't do any good, Mom. But the mother went up. She put the light in the window. And she knelt beside it and began to pray. Out in the storm, the daughter saw a glimmer of gold on the water's edge. Steer for that, Dad, she said. Steer for that. Slowly but steadily, they came toward the light. And at last, they were anchored in a little sheltered cottage by the harbor. And all of a sudden, as there were voices heard downstairs... From upstairs, mom said, thank God. Thank God, she cried as she heard their voices come through. And as they came into the house, somewhat worn from the storm and wet. How did you get here, she said. The little girl said, we steered for mother's light. Although we did not know what it was that was out there, she said, we steered for it. All of a sudden, the little boy, the boy began to think, ah, mother's light. He was a wayward son. He was doing his own thing, living his own life, doing what he wanted to do. But in that moment, he saw the miraculous hand of God through the faith of a mother who said, not only am I going to pray, but I'm going to light a candle and put it in the window. And before he slept that night, he surrendered himself to the Lord and asked him to guide him over life's rough seas. Months went by and disease smote him. He can't live long was the verdict of the doctor. And one stormy night, he lay dying. Do not be afraid for me, he said as they wept. I'm going to make it to harbor. Because I'm steering for mother's light. I'm here to let you know, brothers and sisters, that mom's light is a light of prayer. That mom breathes that prayer on behalf of her children. That, brothers and sisters, is more than just, Lord, watch over them, keep them safe. It is a great prayer of faith that says, Lord, help them to steer through life's troubled sea. Listen, there are violent storms that come and violent storms that happen in life. And the only way to make it is to make it as a result of the candle that's been lit in the window. That candle that is lit by prayer and keeps going by prayer. It's the only way that you're going to make it through life. I want you to know, moms and grandmothers alike, you are a special gift to God. What you're giving to your children and grandchildren is of eternal, eternal value. You can't put a price on it, for it is indeed priceless. There is no one here today, 
I believe, that is not here as a result of somebody praying for them. You say, my mother didn't know the Lord. She didn't serve the Lord. She didn't love the Lord. No, but somewhere along the way, there was a spiritual mother who came up alongside of you who said, I'm going to pray for you. And became, it's an interesting thing, Paul called Timothy his son. He wasn't his physical son, his real son. He was his spiritual son. There is a spiritual connection in this as well. Listen, you may, you may say, well, I, I'm not here. I'm single. I don't, have, I don't have children. But you can still be a spiritual mom. You can still be that one who will help to guide the path and guide the way of individuals who are well on their way out to sea into a violent storm. But if you will light the candle for them and you will pray for them and you will encourage them and you will lift them up before the Lord, you can see them come into the kingdom. Listen, for without Christ, nothing, nothing matters, folks. You can get to the end of it all. And find that that individual will realize, without God, I'm nothing. But you can be instrumental to be that mother who will come alongside of them and say, I'm going to pray for you. I'm going to pray that God will steer you into his presence and steer you into his kingdom. Can we bow our heads for a moment?